So if 2022 is the year of the Bears, who is 2023 going to belong to? Come on, guys. You have someone for us. Kempe. I'm going to say Razor. I'm going to say Razor, oh. mate. Hits the ground running. For? For the All Blacks. <laughs> <laughs> What, you, you think he's going to coach the World Cup, All Blacks? Oh, oh I like that. Yeah. Crystal ball in, eh? Mate, it just, like when you that. think about it, like, he's not the only one, Bez, you know, like, that's taken a team within 12 months and gone to a World Cup with short preparation or taken someone over and, and turned them into champions. It's still, out, still not out of the question for Razor. Mm. Oh, what is happening with Razor? Well, I love that. Crystal balling from you, Kempi. <laughs> I think everyone's hoping the same too, mate. Um, whether they will. You have to walk up that corridor. You have to go sort it out, boys, and see what's going on. Um, I think Ryan Fox is going to win a major this year. Oh, wow. <laughs> I, I, I've, I've got a feeling. I've got a feeling that's that Foxy is going to win a major this year. Look, I know I stopped many multis. And I hope I don't stop, but, mate, honestly, with how he's playing, obviously the last couple in Aussie don't take any notice of that. He was close to home. You know, his mind would have been different. But I just feel this is the year of the Fox to go and posh and be close and even win a major. Four chances. Ryan Fox, win a major. I love that. Foxy, the year of the fox. That's a and he's a he's a genuine chance as well. The way he's been trending, and he, you probably look mm. at his age and where he is getting to. It would be in the next couple of years if he was going to do it. Like he, he's yep. right, he's right in that sweet spot, isn't he? Yeah, he is. He's close. He's knocking on the door. He's set. He's got his family. He's got a wife trim with him. He's got no pressure of money and having to find money to get to places. So the pressure's off. Now he can just continue to focus on golf, dedicate his time to golf, and I just feel like this is the year. I got one, Kempi, and I might be a year too early, but I reckon he's a freak and I'm going to back him in. Jamie Richards. Because he's up in Hong Kong now. He has his base set. He's had trained winners, and he's buying horses at the moment. He'll get his own horses next year. So he's he's taken him a while. You can't just obviously take a bunch of really good horses up there. But I think in Hong Kong, when Jamie gets his own cattle with him, his own stock, he is going to go wooshka, and he will be the next Chris Waller, James McDonald kind of superstar New Zealander in the racing world globally. Jamie Richards for me. Nice. Ooh, that's a goodie. Goody Jamie Richards, Hong Kong, J-Mac going up and winning. Do you know how much you made off that? <laughs> nah. It's just like a cool like 300 rack. <laughs> Hong Kong Cup, <laughs> one ride. Serious? <laughs> yeah, mate. How good. Romantic Warrior. Good on him. It was a huge win. Um, text here, Andrew Webster says, Mark, Kempi will like this. Warriors and Webster, says Kyle. Well, we're allowed to, we're allowed to dream, and yep, that will set the world alight if that does happen next year. So, ooh, come on. Come on. We reckon. They're well into the preseason, Kempi. They're well into well the preseason. Well and truly into it. Well and truly Have you seen it. them in the sand pit? Uh, I've seen them in the sand. They went out to Bethel, so I've seen all that footage. And, yeah, it's. Uh, I would like to just see them fly under the radar, not to say too much, hit the ground running. NFL regular season is entering a, its final stretch, so we thought it was about time we looked back on our preseason predictions. 
We last spoke with the king of proje- projections, Aaron Schatz, back in September when I was full of hope for my Panthers. It's now uh, December, and like many fans, my hope has dwindled. Yes, it has. There's still plenty to talk about, though, with a new folk hero emerging in San Fran and Justin Herbert putting on a show for the Chargers last night in L.A. Aaron Schatz from Football Outsiders is on the line with us now to talk about all that and more. Morning, Aaron. How you doing? Good morning. I'm good. How are you guys? Good, mates. Look, obviously you come on in September and I had a lot of hopes for my uh, Panthers, but uh, Baker Mayfield didn't eventuate and then he went to LA Rams and did what we were hoping. But uh hasn't been all smooth sailing for my Panthers. I got a win yesterday, though, so I'm up. I'm, I'm happy. Yeah, their defense is actually playing well in recent weeks, and the Panthers are not out of it because of the NFC South being so bad, right? They're only a game behind Tampa. Um, We only have them winning the division in 15% of our simulations, but there's a chance. Hey, Aaron, has the parity in the league gone to another level this year? Yeah, not, you know, earlier in the season, there was a little bit more parity than there is now. But yeah, the parity is pretty high this year. It's real. We really are in an any team can beat any other team year. And just in case you didn't believe that yesterday's Houston Dallas game was a really good example of it. Mm, beautiful. Mate, mate, just I've, I've watched this Baker Mayfield um scenario unfold and no one really understands the enormity of this what he's been able to do when you go from two different playbooks and you go to LA Rams and you do what you do and you get the coach his win and the final throw is this just what he needed for his career just to reignite his career that had so much promise at the start I mean I can't think of a coach who does a better job of managing limited quarterbacks than Sean McVay, right? If you think about it, Jared Goff has a lot of the same limitations and strengths that Baker Mayfield has and obviously played very well for the Rams. So, you know, what could Mayfield do for the Rams in a full year with a healthy offensive line and healthy receivers probably could do pretty well, but probably not as well as Matthew Stafford. I mean, Matthew Stafford is still the starter, I think, yeah, yeah, yeah. And what what about uh, Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady, mate? You know, should we be sort of looking at them to say maybe this may be it, or is it just that they're playing behind some some poor teams? I don't think it's. I mean, I think Brady is still playing reasonably well. Uh, he's had injuries among his receivers. He's had injuries on his offensive line this year. They have no running game to speak of, so he's always in bad, bad down and distance situations. Uh, I think Brady has played better than Rodgers has this year. I, I think Rodgers may retire at the end of the year, but I don't know about Brady. I mean, listen, the dude threw away his marriage to come back this year. So why would you do that and then only come back for one year? Wouldn't you? Like, I think a lot of the thought is that he might go to another team, right? He might go find another team where he can try to win a championship. Has he still got the hunger? Has he still got the drive? And do you feel like he's still got the game? To be continue to be one Brady of the number one. Are you still have the drive and the hunger when he's ninety-seven years old? Are you kidding me? <laughs> I mean, it's the only question is whether he still has the game. The drive and the hunger are never going to go away, but I think he still has the game. Yes. 
Okay, okay. What about the, the, the 49ers? They obviously had a heartbreak with losing Jimmy G, but then you got this young kid who I've heard nothing about it, but their stats are saying Brock Purdy being better at throwing the ball down than Jimmy G. Is there a possibility that it actually makes them better and gives them some room to run the ball? And how good was that video of Brock's father crying in the stands? Man, it meant so much to him and his family. Yeah, it's, it's, um, it's a great story. And it's one really, really good game. But uh, I believe the phrase around there is bloody unlikely that he's really better than Jimmy G over the long term. I mean, there's a reason that this guy went last in the entire draft. And you can have one good – plenty of quarterbacks have had one good game early in their careers. Kyle Allen. Kyle Allen had a great first couple of starts a couple years ago. Is anybody trying to play Kyle Allen? He played two games for Houston this year and was terrible. So <laughs> I, I believe in what Shanahan can do to manage Purdy, but I just, over the long term, I don't think he's going to be as good as Garoppolo. So Aaron, do you think the Eagles just have to stay on their own and they go out there and they just take the title? Yeah, I mean, we have the Eagles as the favorite. You know, I mean, look, playing Buffalo or Kansas City or even Cincinnati in the Super Bowl is going to be tough. Uh, but the, the Eagles are definitely – the best team in the NFC, given the San Francisco quarterback situation, I think Philadelphia is definitely the best team in the NFC. And they're going to get the number one seed and they're going to have home field advantage. So you don't just cruise to the Super Bowl. They're going to have some tough games. And San Francisco, San Francisco's defense is playing remarkably well. But Philadelphia is the favorite. Right now, we have Philadelphia win the Super Bowl in 31% of our simulations. Okay, Philly, Philly Eagles, well, they're 12-1, so they, they're going all right about it. But look, this is an interesting situation. Everyone, you know, love Russell Wilson. When he was at the uh, Seattle Seahawks, he was the Seahawks. He's gone to the Broncos, and, well, that last performance, those intercepts he threw, what, what's going on at, at, with the Broncos and Russell Wilson? Is, there, is he under a lot of pressure? Is he under so much heat? It's 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 not pass pressure. He's just playing really badly, and it's hard to know what happened to him. But given the amount that they are paying him, they are stuck with him. So they might as well fire the coach and get a new offensive coach in there in hopes that somebody new can resuscitate Wilson's career because they can't afford to go with another quarterback at this point. So, so fully of the favoritism, Aaron, in the NFC, who should be the AFC favorites right now? We have Buffalo as still the best team in the AFC, definitely. Um, Cincinnati is playing really well right now, and Kansas City's offense is really, you know, great. But we don't have Kansas City as high as some other advanced metrics do. In particular, their defense is 25th in the league. So Buffalo is just a really good, really well-rounded team. They're top four in all three phases of the game, and I think Buffalo is still the favorite to come out of the AFC. Okay. Who has really surprised you this year? And like, I look at the Jets. They've been poor for years, but they've won some tight battles, and, and they've, you know, seven and six now. So the Jets fans are starting to – Get some excitement about is there a team that's really surprised you and, and think in the next few years they're building something, a bit of momentum? The Jets do not surprise me as much as you might think. Our preseason projections 
had the Jets okay. with a top 10 defense. We predicted this. We Ooh, predicted okay. the teams that have surprised me are more Seattle and Detroit. Detroit Lions. The Detroit yeah, Lions coming out of now. Noise, possibly making the playoffs. Number seven offense in the league by our numbers. Ooh, okay, okay. I like that. Jets are very surprising for myself. Panthers, uh, you're saying they're going to potentially push through and go forward. Just one last question. Out of the playoff-bound teams, who has a quarterback that can go to another level in your eyes? I mean, who's going to take a big step forward in the playoffs? I mean, you know, listen, mm. we, this we've already seen the best that Hurts can be. We've seen the best that Allen can be. You know, I don't think there's anybody – I guess if there's anybody who's going to take it to another level, it's Dak Prescott. But it's not that Dak Prescott's going to take it to another level. It's that most people don't understand what level he's already on. Right? Like, I think that Dak Prescott could go on a playoff run where people go, oh, wow, Dak Prescott is so good. Well, Dak Prescott's been so good for a while now, but nobody, you know, because it's Dallas, people need to criticize everything bad that happens to them. But Prescott is one of the top quarterbacks in the league. So if he goes on a quarterback run in the playoffs, people might people might notice that. But, I mean, otherwise, look, the main quarterbacks of the playoffs, other than San Francisco, you know, the guys who are going to be making runs in the playoffs are guys everybody knows are good already. Jalen Hurts, Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes, Joe Burrow, Lamar Jackson, right? So, you know, we know those guys are good. Beautiful, mate. We appreciate you coming on, Aaron Schatz, and talking all things NFL with us. There's plenty going on, and just give us a wee update, mate. You take care. All the best for the rest of the day. Thank you. All right. FootballOutsiders.com. So you should check it out. Beautiful. FootballOutsiders.com. Aaron Schatz giving us all the predictions pre-season, post-season, all over it. He predicted the Jets' top 10 defense in the league. And they have been really surprising. I follow them because Gary V follows them and you get all the excitement that he loves. Not that we should be talking crypto and NFT. It's pretty poor at the moment. But anyway. Gary V? Are you a Gary V fan? Nah, he's starting to annoy me lately. <laughs> Very good. There's only so many inspirational speeches I can hear from him. <laughs> hey, I'll go on for you guys. There's The one we didn't ask about is the Minnesota Vikings. They're 10 and 3, but... Nobody believes in them. Like they're ten and three, but everybody goes, "Oh yeah, but you know." Like they're ten and three, but they don't really. They just don't have that respect factor. Was there were there teams they're like Morocco? Well, kind of, kind of like Morocco. Were there teams in the NRL or the Super League or Super Rugby that you can think of always had a good regular season record, but nobody was actually afraid of? You weren't scared of them. Oh, yeah, you could, Hollanders. Yeah, you could probably pick out. Um, I think the Warriors, when they were going on them good runs, you know, back in the early 2000s and 2011, those those times, none of the teams really respected them. Like they, the eight Warriors had finally show, you know, shown up to the eight, and all the teams in the eight were just. I, I remember the first time we made the eight in 2001. Uh, Brian Smith took his took a player off and played the last 20 minutes with 12 men. And they beat us by fifty. That was that wow. was when we went. They actually don't respect us. 
it sort of gave us, a, when we came in and went to the final in 2002, it gave us a real want to get back out there and show them, well, you do that to us again, you're going to get a tonking. Yeah, they look through you. And did you say Highlanders, Izzy? Because even when they went on that title <laughs> charge, you just always, yeah. like, even though they were doing it, it was like, yeah, but will they do it? Yeah, that's it. Like, you're like, oh, yeah, one more. They'll lose this week. Oh, they'll definitely lose the final. You know, like, and they just surprised me. So it's a team that springs out first, but there's plenty out there. Minnesota Vikings, look, uh, what is it, Teddy Teddy Bridgewater? Bridge, uh, what is it, Bridgewater? Kirk, Kirk you know, Cousins. Had Ad- oh, Kirk yeah. Cousins, Adrian Peterson. You think of the players, Randy Moss. They've had some quality, but this year I don't even know who's in there. Who's it, Kirk Cousins, their quarterback? Who else is their wide receivers? Stefan Diggs, eh? Yeah, and uh, ju- a guy Justin Jefferson, who's just uh, he's uh, he's an absolute freak. But but yeah, he's just, it's just funny because they're ten and three. Their record jumps off the paper, but everybody just looks through them like, yeah. <laughs> and they've always there are always teams like that. Who are they? Who are those teams throughout the years in any sport that even though they were posting good records? They're just nobody really believed in them. 2022 has been a great year for our golfers, both here and abroad, as the game continues to grow across Aotearoa. Over the weekend, a thrilling inter-provincial championship final came down to the last hole with Mitchell Kale coming in clutch for Bay of Plenty in front of his home crowd. It's the Bay's first title in a decade, and better yet, it came against Auckland. How good. The man of the hour, Mitchell Kale, joins us now. A topper's tractor down in the beautiful bay. Morena Mitchell, how are you this morning, mate? Good, good. That's Thanks, good. guys, for having me on the show. No worries, mate. How good was it winning the Interprovincials at home? Oh, mate, it was awesome. Yeah, <laughs> nah, it could, couldn't have been staged any better. I fucking, yeah, it was fizz. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely fizz. I can hear it in your voice, Mitch, mate. Honestly, Izzy Daggy, <laughs> mate, congratulations. What about celebrations, mate? Oh, I think I'm still recovering from the from the beers over the weekend, yeah. But um, no, nah, we got stuck into the cup and yeah, yeah, filled it up a few too many times. Mate, talk us about the last couple of years because the Bay of Plenty, I was reading, they've always been there or thereabouts. You know, you've always been knocking on the doors or finals. But the last 10 years, it's been quite difficult. Did you really understand you, you had the team to go forward and, and potentially push and even even win it before this tournament kicked off? Teed off? Yeah, we did. You know, we, we talked about it and, um, yeah, 10 years is a long time from coming from a really, um, really dominant kind of stage in Bay of Plenty Golf that 10 years ago. And um, we, yeah, we kind of just lacked. We're a bit young and um, inexperienced, but this year we we had uh, myself at number one, then we had Sean Campbell back over from the States, which really helped in number two, um, and another young gun at three and two kind of more experienced older guys um down the order four and five so that um yeah always knew we had a really good chance and yeah just stoked to stoked to get it done so it sounds like sounds like you guys built a really good uh squad down there to get to that stage but take us through that last hole mate were you sweating (laughs) oh yeah i've never been so nervous in my life (laughs) yeah no it was um (laughs) Yeah, pretty crazy. Yeah, give us a give us a, give yeah. us a, give us a little bit of an example. Like when you hit it in, what were you thinking? <laughs> Come on, take us through it. Talk me through it, folks. Um, I've yeah. sprayed it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so um, we were me and Josh By were all square, standing on the 18th tee, and um, yeah, I could barely feel my bloody fingers. And 
luckily I got one away just down the right-hand side, which was sweet as, just in the right rough. And he, um, unfortunately for him, he hit it into into the bush and had to take an unplayable. So the rest of the hole was, even as nervous as I was, it was pretty easy to get it done for the rest of the hole. But, yeah. Ooh. So that's what you need to do. Stand over the ball, hit it first, put the pressure on, and don't say, yeah. don't be so humble about it, mate. You were, you were charging, you were charhooing under your breath and fist pumping deep down. <laughs> that last putt, mate, just about went in too. I've seen the putt on, on the socials. You got it close and kind of conceded, and then you just all erupted, mate. So what next for yourself? What, what, what next coming up for, for Mitch Cow, the number one in the bay? <laughs> um, well, yeah, that kind of it sums up sums up the year. But we've got a we've got a bigger January than we usually do um, with a intu- new introduced Charles Tour event in Hastings. So um, that'll be the first big one of the year. But a couple of small ones just to start off in January. Maybe get rid of a little bit of New Year's dust. And yeah, yeah. so nice. Yep, and so January Charles for, Tour. For your- for yourself, Mitch, like you're obviously knocking on the door, you, you know, that would have been a huge moment for yourself. Confidence, knowing that you can compete on the big stage with with the big players. Like, how does Mitchell Cow uh, kick on, and and what do you need to do over the next couple of months or year to to maybe potentially push on and and do be the likes like Denzel Uramia, and you've got Dan Hillier, and you've got golfers all over the over the world. So how how do we get Mitchell Cow to that? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Just um... Playing, I want to go and play a little bit more overseas next year, hopefully through the middle of the year, play a few um, top kind of amateur events and, yeah, just test myself on, I guess, the biggest stages. Yeah. Hey, mate, I'm, t- I'm going to take a stab in the dark here. I guess with the mullet and the mo, your favourite golfer is Cam Smith. Is that right? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I've actually got a <laughs> Australian background as well, born, born over in Australia, so, yeah. Nice. Whereabouts is that? Uh, Gold Coast. I was born on the Gold Coast, yep. Oh, good man. Of course he's Goldie, mate. It's V8 Supercars, (laughs) Bogan City. Let's get it. He's got the mullet. Oh, you poor fellow having to be born over there. It's been a difficult time last couple of years, but anyway, we won't bring it up. Mate, have you you seen the boom and interest in golf over the last past few years? And, And is it no surprise for yourself to see... Kiwis really performing on the world stage? Yeah, absolutely. Even just in club level, I mean, I work at a golf course, so so yeah, just seeing how busy and how popular it is now. And yeah, obviously the boom of success through uh, Foxy, you know, all those guys, Dan Hillier. Yeah, um, it's, uh, yeah it's great to see. And yeah, golf in New Zealand's really growing, so that's awesome. Mate, do you get much support? From from like you know real like some some good pundits around the country, golf New Zealand. What's the support like to to help you? Because it's quite interesting when you see our success and seeing these golfers come out and go on the world stage. You must get real nice support from from people around New Zealand and clubs in particular, like your club and Bay. Plenty are they real supportive and and help you you know achieve your dreams? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I yeah, I'm at Taranga Golf Club and they're yeah, they're awesome. Like the members here, really great. There's a great bunch of guys that play every Thursday, and they're always really willing to help. Um, you know, get your places and yeah, just help out financially and and just 
kind of giving you heaps of support when you're around the club saying great job and yeah all that kind of stuff so yeah that's the main thing is oh. uh people that are close to you around Tarrant golf club yeah all right we're all golf fans well, i absolutely love golf i hate it because i played one charles tour event i was 47 over you're probably going to mock me about that but that's all right mate yeah what a go- i was <laughs> actually going to say is he <laughs> i was actually going to say I, I was playing that tournament as well and i i remember i was walking down what is it the second that par five I was yeah. walking down there, and I think you were playing seven. Yeah, I was playing seven. Trying to play oh, was that seven? me hitting? Yeah. Was that me hitting? Yeah. The, was that me hitting it right in front of you? And I stinging that forearm <laughs> onto the hole. Yeah, I was thinking, how's this ball gotten over here? And then I saw your second <laughs> shot, and I was like, ah, oh, that's a completely different golfer. <laughs> <laughs> Mate, I absolutely snapped hooked it off the tee block onto your fairway, yeah. and then these boys were sitting there, and there was a gale force wind. I was like, oh, no. How am I actually going to hit this? And I've stung the forearm up to the hole. And I was like, yeah, they probably yeah. think I'm pro, but they don't know I'm 30 over. <laughs> <laughs> nah, it was an absolute ripper. Yeah, no, appreciate you coming on, Mitch, and congratulations for getting the job done. And, uh, yeah, continue the celebrations. I can hear it in your voice, bud. Go well. <laughs> awesome. All right. <laughs> Thanks, guys. There he so is. So good. <laughs> oh, is he? Is it, talk us through this four, right? So I've sprayed it. Absolutely sprayed this ball left because my drive was horrible. And uh, oh, I was had to go hit it up. And there was this... Three boys waiting there, three lads, and I was like, oh, no. They were all like 20 metres away from me. And I had, I think I had 180, but it was probably playing 210 because the wind was gale force. So I was like, I've only got four iron because my next one is a two iron. I can't hit that off the deck. And a three wood, so it's way too much club. So I've just hit this low stinger four iron off the deck, and it's just hit, like, probably gone 10 metres high, straight at the hole, and I've landed pin high up by the hole. And uh, they've given me the clap, and I've just kind of walked off, and I was like, yes, boys, let's go. <laughs> but then it all fell apart. Little did they know that was before I'd probably shot 13 on one hole. So, <laughs> look, it was, yeah, tough old day. Completely different golfer. <laughs> so funny from Mitchell. Well done. And well done to the Bay of Plenty. God, we're loving the golf. One of the things we're extremely passionate about on our show is charity. And as you'd know, the charity we often promote and raise money for is the Child Cancer Foundation. We're not only the ones, we're not the only ones. And the Crusaders have come up with their own initiative called The Long Run to rally behind one of the most deserving causes. Causes. Every year, 153 kids are diagnosed with cancer, and late next month, the long run will start from 6am, where the Crusaders will be running a baton 153 times around Rugby and Melvin Park, which will ma- take most of the day. It's a fantastic concept, and CEO Colin Mainsbridge is on the line now. Morning, mate. How you doing, Cole? Morning, mate. Very good. How are you? Great to speak to you again. Are you getting a, a few cakes and um, <laughs> a, a before Christmas? <laughs> oh, plenty, Cole. Plenty. I was just talking about it before. I just uh, put up my photo of about 10 years ago. I said, mate, it's giving me some inspiration. I'm getting ready to get away on holiday, but I've got to come back in good nick, mate, because we've got 153 laps to run. We have. We have. So uh, you know the story, obviously, but Webby, who's you know he's been around the place for a long period of time. He um, uh, he did 102 k's uh, last year, 
uh, on yep. his own. Uh, he had a, a little bit of support, and, and he was sort of so humbled by the support um, and encouragement of the community. Some people turned up and just joined in. So, so this year, uh, the idea is 153 laps for the 153 kids diagnosed with cancer each year. And, um, and we're just hoping that uh, everybody gets in behind it. And we had the, I think you saw we had the Australasia's Best Sporting Teams yeah. prize mm. yesterday, which sort of kickstarts the, um, the fun. So we're stoked um, and, and really excited about, um, about this event next year. And I'm a bit like you. I've got a few kgs. Actually, I've got a lot more than you to lose. To make my, my, my. Hey, yeah. well, con- congratulations, Cole, on that, uh, picking up that award yesterday, best team in Australasia again. Um, and that money that you've donated along to um, the kids in the Cancer Society is a fantastic initiative. How, how important is it um, to buddy up to, I guess, a charity um, like you have, and especially for your organisation to know and support it? It's really important, Kemp. You know, you, we all know the process that we had to go through and, and, and the look at ourselves we had to do um, a couple of years ago as a result of the terror attack. And, and one of the things that, that came out of the research that we did was that we are an organisation that's connected um, and connected both internally but also connected externally with the, the community. And and so if, if that's what people describe you as, then you've sort of almost got a bit of a moral obligation to do stuff around it. And then you actually hear the stories of those kids and their families. And, and, and cancer is a pretty ugly thing for anybody to have to endure, obviously. But, um, but it, it just seems particularly devastating when it's happening to kids. And you hear those families, and, and it's, it's just a bit of an inspiration, I think, to people around this place to sort of go a bit harder. And, you know, we've had plenty of people... Um, involved in, in the charity, and um, and it just seems to I, I don't know what it is. It just seems to spark the team up here, and, and they all seem to get really really excited about it. So yeah, I think for us it's a we've got to find ways to give back, and um, and, and our brand now you know we talk about crusading, but crusading with heart, um, and the best way you can crusade with heart is to actually do something for people in your community and um, for a cause, and, and for us we're really excited to be involved in this. The success the Crusaders have produced uh, throughout the years, uh, Colin, uh, is this? Can you draw a link to that community connection? Is this all part of what you've been doing and the connection to the community? I think it's quite interesting, isn't it? You know, you think about the place, and you know it better than anybody, mate. Um, but you think about the place, um, what it's like, and what it's like to be here, and. I remember listening to Richie McCaw tell a story about uh, what motivated the team to, to perform as well as it did uh, after the earthquakes. And one of the things was that the players and the management and the board and everybody else, the staff, all decided that uh, at that time the best thing they could do was, was represent and do the best thing they could do for the community, inspire people to get out of bed each day, even though they were you know, still suffering aftershocks and things like that. So they're... They felt that they had to play for something bigger than themselves. And I think that's, uh, you know, a lot of people in this organisation, I see them behave that way all the time. They want to do something yeah. more than being about themselves. And you're a classic example, mate. I think the stuff that you've done, um, you know, post your career and um, talking about mental health and, and, um, and speaking for causes like this, 
you know, when you're doing something for for, for more than yourself, it's pretty, um, you know, it's, it's, it makes you feel better about life. You, you, you know, the gratitude that yeah. comes from it makes you feel better. And I think it makes you perform better as well. That's, that's my, my sense. Yeah, more than an athlete, you're dead right, Cole. Hey, Australasia's Best Sporting Team is an interesting award. Um, how informed are you on the way it's decided? Because it looks like it's pretty data-driven. It is. So um, Simon and Ben, uh, Simon, I, I jestfully described him as a nerd yesterday, but it was a sign of respect. The guy knows, um, the guy knows more about uh, most sport um, than most people. So, you know, quite often somebody will say something and then he'll actually just throw five or six um, uh, statistics at you to suggest that maybe your opinion is, is wrong or, or, or just needs a bit of testing. So, but they... We, we use them a bit at a board level to make sure that we're thinking about the long-term future of the organisation. So not, not, it's not about, you don't use it so much in season um, for us. We, we try and think long-term. And so are we setting the organisation up as best as it possibly can be to help the coaches and the athletes perform the best they can on the park? And, and a lot of the stuff that, the ABST speaks to is that long run mindset, and and I think that's the bit that um, that's the bit that all, all their stats they talk about things like cohesion and teamwork. Well, to mm. for those things to work, you've got to have great academies, great people. Um, you've got to have athletes first. You've got to have um, you've got to have long run view of things, and and if you do put a lot of that stuff together for a long period of time, from the, the original period of when this organisation was set up, you know, that's the outcome you get. So we're really proud of the award, but I think it also tells us we've got to just keep um, thinking about how can we get better tomorrow than we are today. And, um, and so, yeah, a bit of pressure on to, to stay ahead. Well, staying ahead is what you've had to do, Cole, because we remember when you first signed up, everything happened and in waves and you just got hit full front on. So how proud are you right now? The backroom, there's a lot of focus on the team and, and the Razor and the results that they're getting, but there's no real understanding of what's been going on in, in the backroom and what you've had to do and what you've had to overcome. So how proud are you of the team and the backroom and, and the work they've been doing and and focusing on, on their well-being as well? I think very proud is the, is the, the best I could say. Mm. The, 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 um, and you've been around and you, you yourself were very good at connecting with the people in the back office and, and people in this organisation are good at that, that. They really try their hardest to get to know mm. everybody, not just the person inside or outside of them on the paddock. And you, you just see the amount of work and effort that goes in. And uh, Willie Hines, when he got back, um, and I caught up with him not too long ago and we were actually doing this little function at the best rugby club in town, Burnside, and we're doing this little function there. And, um, <laughs> and I asked him the question, um, uh, you know, what is it about this place? Why do you enjoy it? And he talked about all in. He said that his observation of people around the environment is everybody is all in. So it's not just the, um, yeah. you know, it's not just the, the people at the, on the field. It's, it's all the staff and, um, it, you know, to, to the cleaners. Um, they're, they're just, you know, everybody here is all in. And, and, you know, it's it, it, the, the excitement. They, they serve the team because they know the mm. team serves a higher purpose. Um, but, uh, yeah, just all in. That, that seems to be the best way to describe it. 
Hey, Cole, the season coming up with um, Super Rugby, I guess we got to ask the question, you know, are, are you capitalising on all of this Razor talk, you know, and do you still have them, like, locked down, or is there something that you want to tell us? <laughs> <laughs> no, he's, he, he's contracted uh, 23 and 24, but he has a, an ability to exit in 24. So so we're, we're just... You wouldn't think, if you see the way that the coaching team and the players are conducting themselves at the moment, you wouldn't think that there is any distraction. He is just um, he is just focusing on, on this next season, uh, on 2023, and absolutely, you know, laser-like focus on it. And, and the rest of the group, uh, exactly the same. Now, we all know how good he is at handling distractions and things like that, so he'll <laughs> pop in the office and have a chat and sort of a download in it. But, but, but frankly... Um, I, I think he's as committed to the organisation today as what he was when he played his first game for it as well. So um, the, the, the big thing is um, he, he's done an exceptional job of growing people around him as well. So the coaching group that's around here is... Um, yeah, I love watching them work. I love watching them challenge and test each other and encourage each other and get excited by getting out on the grass. So, so I think... But whatever happens, uh, we're confident um, that, that the work's being done about the whole group. Again, that sort of long-run mindset. And, and Razor's got it as much as anybody else. What I love is, is your ability to give inexperience. I'm only speaking from Jimmy Ma, who's James Marshall, who's only just finished, um, an opportunity at the highest level, and that's what I love. So, how have they um, transitioned into the coaching realm? You got Dan Perrin, you got James Marshall coming in. How, how's that kind of going? They they look like they're having a lot of fun. Um, uh, they keep me well locked out of the office uh, so that I'm not uh, <laughs> licking the windows and uh, and and joining in too much. I think. Um, Jason took the iPad off me um, uh, when he went to the All Blacks gig and said, I'm never allowed to uh, get out on the park and, and, and video uh, ever again. Um, and so, <laughs> and so ever, I, I, I watch from a distance, but, you know, genuinely those guys um, contributing uh, from day one. And, again, that's something yeah. else we learned about ourselves with that brand. You know, you, you, you expect people... Uh, and you encourage people to give all of themselves from the moment they arrive, and they're contributing from day one. Both GP uh, and Jimmy, they look really, really... They look like they've been there for years. Then the other one for me is Tom, Tamati Ellison. You know, oh, um, I, I love him and his work, and, and I think about the, the quality of his work um, and uh, how good he's been and how confident and, um, and, and how much leadership he's oozing uh, in the environment now. So we're very, very lucky with the quality of people we've got, no doubt about it. Yeah, beautiful, mate. We appreciate you coming on, Cole. Just quickly, before we let you go, what date are we doing this run and how can we and our listeners show our support for the long run? So long run, mate, 27th of January um, uh, on Friday. I think it's the last day of the school holidays. So um, yep. and, and it's, so, so 27th of January, 153 laps around rugby in Melbourne Park, as you said. There's going to be mm. music, inflatables, food trucks, coffee cart, skills and drill session. We'll have some crusaders and some matatu players um, will pop nice. over and, and be in. So, um, so there'll be plenty of people around. And I, I guess just come and enjoy the environment. But if you feel like you can, can get a lap in just to offer some support and carry the baton for one of those 153, that would be 
much appreciated as well. And then there's the opportunity for people to um, to kickstart some fundraising. You, you can go onto our website, you open up your own, um, give it a little page, so you raise your own money um, uh, yep. if, if you're keen to try and do as many laps as you possibly can as well. So, so 27th of January, is he, that's the big day. Beautiful. 27th of Jan, 6 a.m. start, and throughout the day, 153 laps raising money for child cancer. Thank you so much, mate. Appreciate your time, Colin. And Merry Christmas to you and the team. Enjoy the break, and we'll see you back for another crusade. <laughs> Thanks, mate. Thank you, too. <laughs> <laughs> oh, always good to talk to the old boss. Look at that. Look at that jersey behind you there, is he? Yeah, staring at you. You still got that Crusader? Crusader one four nine. How many how, um, how many games did you play? I played one hundred and sixteen super, but I played only ninety one for Crusaders. I missed out nine. Yeah, but got too many injuries. A long time though at Rugby Park. You Colin kept referencing it. You understand the identity of and, and you were there. Were you there during the earthquakes? Yeah, mate. Yeah, yeah. I was. I just left training. I was driving down the road and turned the corner, and I thought, "Wow!" Popped my tire, pulled over, and there was about three hundred tsunami waves, but just the road waves coming mm. at me. Scary, man. So scary. <laughs> and that and that connection, like that, it does have with the community there, and, and then the the terror attack, as Colin mentioned as well. So there is a. We had that. We had the Pike River. Like there was just mm. plenty going on. Down here, we've had it all, and it's crazy. It's yeah, when you go through the years, I know that's why breeding tough down here. And the 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 thing he was talking about about the all in, you know, like it's so hard Mm. to get not just a a team all on the same page, but the whole organisation on the same page as well. And and genuine, I genuinely believed him that when he said it was all about everyone being, and that's what you know um, we have down here. That the Crusaders actually do that. That's why they're, you know, continually at the top. Me, we, me, we, twenty seventeen. Me and we, all together. That was our son. Makes sense. Twenty one minutes past eight o'clock, and resilience just as a playing group and as a region as well. Twenty one minutes past eight o'clock. So many good text messages here on our golf courses. We will get to them, but you can keep them coming in. Which golf course are we playing this summer? Where's the invite? Go on. Let us know. Anywhere around Aotearoa. Someone say Stewart Island. I've played the Stewart Island golf course, the, the 12 holes they have up there. Have you? Yep. I have. What's that like? Uh, like a paddock, but it's the most beautiful paddock, <laughs> and it's cold and windy. <laughs> yeah, I would have had to have taken a driver off the deck if I wanted to go 200 into that wind. Uh, 22 minutes past eight. Here with Kim's Warehouse. Great savings every day.